Hello, and welcome to the Harry Man Show number 53. We have the hilarious Tim Baltz. Is that correct, Baltz? Baltus, uh, as long as it's not battles, that's probably the worst <laughs> one I've gotten from a telemarketer where they got, a, you know, they switched up letters. Nice. So uh, I'll take Baltz any day. Nice. And you, you'll find uh, Tim on uh, his, I think it's hilarious Instagram channel, uh, uh, Kino, Timbo from Kino. Uh, I have a blast watching his uh, drum covers and his, his comedy sketches, sketches. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for having me on, Dustin. Yeah, like I said, um, Tim, it's a, it's everything you do is precise, but you have like a comic relief with it. What what started that whole overall idea for you? I mean, really, it's 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 just been my personality. You know, something I talk about on a ton of podcasts is just authenticity and how we apply that to social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was the kid growing up where my dad would put like an Ace Ventura VHS in the TV, and I would be, you know talking out of my butt like Ace Ventura one day. And then, you know, when I was three, my uh, uncle, my dad's brother, actually got me a drum set because he's a drummer. Uh, But he didn't get it necessarily because I think he wanted me to be a drummer. I think he got it to tick off my dad because I I played it so loud that they closed my bedroom door until I broke all the heads on it. And then they opened the door. So... (laughs) Um, you know, it really, it's just a balance of my personality and, and, and you'll see that balance in the content too. So, you know, in the morning I'll post a drum video and usually in the evening, then I'll post like a crazy karaoke or a funny, uh, funny drum video. Or recently people have been sending me boxes and boxes of food from around the world where yeah. I'm just like trying these in, insane things out and, and, and rating them on, a, on several different scales that make no sense. Yeah. So all jokes aside, you're an excellent drummer too. I don't want that to slide by. I mean, your technique and your playing is more importantly, but you're an awesome drummer as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, I've been really fortunate. And all the work I've gotten through uh, uh, or at all has been through Instagram, whether it's the Disney stuff, movies, box, video games, slot machine soundtracks, it all came through Instagram. <laughs> so it's it's been really, I've been really fortunate in that way too. So I want to back up. So what age were you starting to play a kit that was given to you? So I got a kit when I, on my third birthday. Um, oh, wow. I didn't really start playing, though, until I was 15. So I started uh, piano lessons at eight, uh, bass, and playing in, like, punk bands at 12. Uh, started playing out that year when I was 12 years old. Uh, guitar at 13. And then finally, I was playing with some dudes when I was 15. And uh, I was playing bass at the time with the guys, and we couldn't find a drummer. And uh, my buddy Billy was like, well, uh, you know, you can kind of play drums. Uh, figure it out. Go buy a kit, Tim. <laughs> So I, you know, I went to school the next day. I was, I was like, you know, just distraught talking to a buddy of mine in homeroom. And, and I was like, this kid, Tony Ambrosini, classic Kenosha name where it's, it's all Italians or, uh, you know, <laughs> Yugoslavians here. So he's yeah. one of the Italians. I'm one of the Yugoslavians. I say, Tony, Tony, how am I going to do this? I can't afford a drum set. I'm 15 years old. The only money I get is for cutting my grandma's freaking grass. And he's like, Tim, <laughs> Tim, I got you. He says, Tim, I'm going to sell you a drum set for $10. Wow. And, and sure enough, you know, I, uh, I bought it the next day from him. I put it together and I played that with this uh, kind of hardcore band for a while. And that turned into one thing, uh, one thing turned into another. And now here I am uh, over a decade and a half later, still focusing on drums. Nice. And did that start your obsession with like collecting and kind of teching with drums as well? Or did that come later down the road? I think the teching thing came right away because it was, you know, really, it was, I had a, I had a, C, a $10 drum set, a CB drum set <laughs> in wine red, the nice. ugliest, least cool drum set you've ever heard of in your life. 
and I had to make it sound as good as I could. Mm-hmm. I think the benefit also was that uh, me and a really close friend of mine had a recording studio at the time at his, in his basement. And so not only was I worried about what, what do drums sound like to the ear, but what do they sound like under mics? Mm-hmm. So I was experimenting with, particularly in metal bands, it's like, how do I get that triggered sound That's without sound. using triggers? Yeah. So like I was using Danmar at the time made a literal like steel patch you could put on your yeah. bass drum. <laughs> yeah. They always they always fell off though. You remember yeah. that too? Yeah. So yeah. I had like duct tape all over holding yeah. this freaking patch on. And then it's like, well, now it just sounds like, you know, deer hooves, you know, dancing <laughs> on a drum. So yeah. then we made a, a, a sub kick, you know, these microphones that are supposed to pick up uh, low frequencies. But, you know, normally you'd see a speaker about this big. We took two by fours and put a freaking 15 inch bass speaker <laughs> on, on a frame yeah. and shoved it in front of the kick drum to get the low end out of it. Reverse uh-huh. wired it out to a quarter inch, uh, uh, you know, uh, jack. And it, was, it worked. You know, yeah. we, we always made it work. And uh, so, it, you know, the, the teching thing really started there and it, and it kind of flourished, especially when I quit playing in bands, uh, gosh, 2016, uh, when I got really sick, I just kind of started focusing on, on this studio stuff because it was something where if I had a day where I felt well, mm-hmm. well, I could sit down here, everything's set up, I don't have to move anything, all I have to do is literally grab a pair of sticks and sit down. Yeah. So the last five years now has just been uh totally and i mean completely focused on on this stuff here the recording stuff nice and then when you when you were younger going to recording studios was that a lot of fun for you or were you collecting microphones as well or kind of that's kind of before the software thing kind of came were you guys using like multi-track recorders and messing with that stuff sure sure (laughs) there's a story uh so i actually so when i was taking bass guitar lessons I remember my my first or no no yeah well all my teaching was at this one shop in town a little local music shop mm-hmm. and I went up to the guitar room where the guitars were for sale and I said to the salesman well you know I want to start recording but I don't I don't know where to start and he's like all right I'm not supposed to do this but I'm going to sell you my four track recorder for <laughs> cash out in the in the parking lot and I was like oh yeah this is sweet was so it like Tascam it was yeah a little Tascam four twenty four yeah you know so it's and, and, you know, you see all, you know, it's a little cassette tape recorder and it's got all these knobs and, and, you know, faders, you know, and, and gizmos and gadgets that you can move around. And, you know, I'm like 12, 13 years old. I'm, or I guess probably 13 at this point. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is freaking cool. I'm going <laughs> to record music. Yeah. So I, uh, and then I had to figure out, well, how the heck do I turn this into an MP3? So now I had, we had a freaking Windows 98 computer. I had to run the headphone jack out to uh, a little uh, eighth inch, you know, like headphone male. And I plugged it into the pink mono jack <laughs> on my computer, turned it into like a, a really crappy sounding MP3, but I had music. Yeah. So this obsession started there. I recorded a local band at one point with guys that, you know, when I, 13, 14, guys that I went to play uh, on to play with in bands when I was 20, 21, and even on. Um, so that was really, really, really special uh, for me. And not just uh, to have this introduction to recording, but this introduction to these other people that became very close friends and colleagues as we as we mm. kept making music, as we grew up. Yeah, it's definitely a big science to it. And it kind of just pulls you in and you never get really out of it. <laughs> no, oh gosh. 
It's, I think, you know, we talk about uh, gas. I'm sure you know the term gas from working at a guitar store. Oh, yeah. Gear, gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah, I never and, stops. And so, oh, it never stops. But I <laughs> I, um, I worked at a, a music go-round here in uh, the, the store system, which uh, includes Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, for five years. Got me through college. It was a great job. It's a great company to work for. Um, and... Uh, yeah, that's where the gas came in as far as for uh, vintage drums. I bought my first vintage drum set in 2009. It was a, uh, uh, a 1965 uh, Ludwig Super Classic, so the bigger drums, a 22-inch bass drum, 13-inch tom, and a 16-inch floor tom and champagne sparkle. Oh, nice. And I paid – it was – I mean, it was like – it had some water damage and all sorts of stuff, but it was cooler than heck. And so I I paid two hundred dollars for it. Oh, that's a deal. Yeah. Oh, it's a great deal. You know, yeah. those drums now, even in that shape, would be fifteen hundred. You know, eighteen hundred dollars. And uh, and I, I just became obsessed. I was just, you know, it was so cool. And I've, you know, over this time period, the last fifteen years of playing drums, I think I've owned about two or three hundred drum sets. Uh, two, you know, another two to four hundred snare drums, just tons and tons, just going in and out, in and out whether I'm buying to sell or buying to try or buying to keep. And uh, I finally, you know, I, I know we talk about how gas never ends, but truly I think I'm finally to a point where with drums, I really don't need anything though. Uh, we can talk about this at some point, you know, part of my work is consulting with drum companies. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I do have more drums coming, of course, but if I did it, have those connections i wouldn't need another <laughs> drum ever again yeah I, i'm not too far behind you it's just my problems i don't let things go i just keep collecting you know? <laughs> that that's a big problem i think yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean that's probably like i'll be 70 or 80 one day just like some weird reality i have to let it go or something but hey, i'm not there yet <laughs> yeah, that's right you know what we got i think I was listening to a uh, one of the newer Drumio Gab podcasts uh-huh. with Todd Zuckerman, who uh, incredible drummer plays with sticks, uh, but also uh, well known as a collector as well. And he was talking about his five favorite, uh, you know, incredible snare drums that he's owned. Mm-hmm. And and he basically, you know, he was talking about how at one point in his life he bought this really expensive crazy you know 80s kit by sonar made in germany for thousands of dollars Mm. and and basically his point to this story was that like we got one go round you know to to do this thing to live and so if this is your passion if drums are your passion and you have this dream instrument that you've always wanted Mm. save the money get the thing you want and play the thing you love and i I really believe in that. You know, I think some people tend to go wide with their drum collections. I know guys who have 150 sets. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> bless, bless them. I love them. They're my friends. Bless them. Yeah. But, you know, at this point, if I, if I only had these three uh, Ludwig Classic Maple drums, it's a little kit that I, I modified in every which way that I wanted, so it does exactly what I want. And if I just had like my sugar percussion 14 by six cedar snare and like my six and a half black beauty that has my initials painted on it, um, I wouldn't need another drum. Yeah. I wouldn't need another drum. And I, that's so for me, you know, I, I talk about this, whether it's 
platonic uh, relationships with people, romantic relationships with people, or the relationship with your instrument. Uh, for me, instead of going wide, the older I get, the more I want to go deep with an instrument. Yeah, and then and I mean, this is the compliment. That's also a big sign of maturity too. <laughs> yeah. kind of, I mean, I don't think I'm there yet because I'm always kind of like feeding for the next thing. But yeah, I I I totally understand where you're coming from. It's just you want to build a relationship with that one item for years to come. Yeah. yeah. Of so yeah. I don't mean to circle back so much, but I'm a Lubbock guy myself. But when did you start to develop a taste in Pacific drums, like Venice drums? Was that something right away, or something kind of came a little later? Sure. So I, you know, for me balancing this sort of vintage sound uh with modern playability has been something i've been playing around with ever since i quit playing uh, at the end of my sort of heavy music days i was playing like technical death metal hmm. and and so you know again huge speed lots of crazy fills and uh you know hands and feet going every which way but uh I, at one point when I was in my early 20s, I got in a motorcycle accident, uh, finally, uh, you know, realized that I wasn't immortal. And, uh, <laughs> and then so, maturity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I decided, uh, well, I, at the time, I was your quintessential death metal drummer. I was over 300 pounds, big frickin' beard, shaved head. Right. And, uh, and so I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to try to look out for my health. Mm-hmm. I lost... Uh, 90 pounds over a over a summer over three months uh on the on the old school uh chicken and broccoli diet plus exercise and then further i lost in total about 100 135 pounds um and after that weight loss i i got a friend who uh he plays drums for owl city his name's gabe hagan great drummer Mm -hmm. hilarious dude and and uh and we have this theory about being a very about being portly when you're drumming and so portly fellows, when you're drumming, there is a certain, no pun intended, heaviness that comes with your groove. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, the last gig, I, and I think that for me, there is a certain fat-based lubricant that comes to your joints when you are a portly gentleman. I miss it. I miss it. Because, you know, the last death metal gig I had, uh, for, uh, for the next three days afterwards, every joint up every single finger was throbbing yeah so i took i told these dudes i was like i can't do this anymore this is insane mm-hmm. and so uh you know i've i've only taken like five drum lessons uh in the course of uh 16 years oh, wow. uh somewhere for fun you know i took one with matt halpern from periphery before they got famous um i took uh more of my lessons focused on technique. So like there's a guy who teaches at the local state university here. He teaches at the Milwaukee Conservatory of Music. I, I studied with one of his uh, kind of protege students. Um, I studied with another uh, local lore, uh, you know, kind of legend dude here at one point. And all of these sorts of legend, or I guess lessons rather, focused on how do I hold a stick? How do I throw a stick? in such a way that I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to have this pain after a gig. Mm-hmm. And so I still focus on that. You know, I, I, DVDs too. Uh, again, I'm not necessarily focusing on, like I love Gene Hoagland's DVD, the original Atomic Clock DVD. And I don't, I don't play that stuff anymore. I don't even have a double pedal. Oh, but, no. <laughs> um, you know, 
when I when I watch his DVD, it's like, how do we loosen our wrists? He's got these great exercises in that DVD. I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, Tony or Tommy Igo's yeah. uh, Great Hands for a Lifetime, another quintessential tool if you want to try to play drums not just for a few decades, but for the entire span of your adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that kind of really taught me the importance. Uh, not just the motorcycle accident of feeling my mortality there, but then the subsequent gig where I had all this pain and saying, well, I'm not going to be able to use this body for three, four five decades if I don't treat it well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these lessons keep popping up. You know, I talk about my my illness all the time is, uh, you know, this happened in 2016. And I uh, basically I, my body quit making testosterone huh. and we didn't figure that out till 2019. And I got on treatment starting in early 2020. I've been on uh, basically. Uh, they call it testosterone replacement therapy. So in the same way that a, a diabetic shoots insulin into their stomach, I'm uh-huh. shooting testosterone into my stomach for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. And subsequently, you know, in the same way that I can't, uh, I can't uh, drive a motor, I shouldn't drive a motorcycle, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, jump a motorcycle poorly or whatever, you know, go into a pothole and almost die. Uh, and then uh, I shouldn't, um, you know, I shouldn't be drumming with giant sticks trying to blast with an Evans hybrid head at 300 BPM for a half hour. Um, <laughs> and I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't be filling my, you know, my pie hole with uh, all sorts of assorted chips and, uh, you know, all these food review types items. So it's like, uh, you know, even with this, this testosterone thing, I have to like be so careful about what I eat uh, when I eat so it's just to say that this lesson of taking care of my body has just gone so far and i think it just comes back to this message i have that it's like you know you gotta again we got one shot play your freaking drums and enjoy it while we're here and whatever your goals are you know and we don't have to have substantial goals i never set out to play drums on recordings for Disney or for Grammy winning freaking movie soundtracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do this cause it's fun. Yeah. And uh, I just want to, I, I always want to push that message home that like, if you're not doing this uh, to put a smile on your own face, throw your drums out, ship them to my home. I will give them to someone who, who will smile when they play them. Yeah. So, and that's one, uh, that's one thing I want to circle back to is when I watch your Instagram uh, feed, I, I just I, it just makes me want to hop on my drums and play some of those songs that I grew up with as well as you did, like we were, I shared that minus a bear song with you and it just brought back like when I first heard that song and you kind of just make it fun it makes me want to do it more so you, you're definitely you know showcasing the fun of it. A hundred percent, you know, and I think that's what it is too. Is you know even though yeah sometimes I'm gonna post like my drum stuff where it's like okay here's one of my drumless tracks that I made and I'm gonna play a groove or some crazy fill or whatever over it. But so much more often now, I'm like, like the big thing for me right now is like 90s music, which is like the music that I, you know, grew up listening to when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. Same here. Before that, I was playing music that I listened to when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, And uh, don't expect me to play the death metal from 16 to 22. That's not going to happen. But you know what? I got through a lot of good music from when I was a kid. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. and uh you know working backwards through that stuff so that you know that's it's uh it's not just about um you know entertainment and and having fun for myself but there's an educational element there too like oh, yeah. how many drummers are you going to see playing over a fastball song 
or a Cheryl Crow song on Instagram. There's not a yeah, there's not a lot of of drummers out there who want to do that thing. No. Um, but there's a way, you know, if we talk about this bridging of vintage and modern, there's a way to do it where, uh, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be uh, acquaintances now with uh, Michael Urbano, who played drums on "If It Makes You Happy" by Cheryl Crow, among thousands of other amazing songs. Yeah. And uh, you know, Michael is one of these guys who he's a drum collector. I actually have uh, the magazine issue he was in of uh, Not So Modern Drummer magazine, oh, nice. where he talks about his uh, his collection, which ranges drums that were made almost a hundred years ago till now, mm-hmm. and so it's about okay, let's let's set up these drums that are really freaking old that were here before my grandparents were alive, <laughs> and I'm gonna put modern heads on them. I'm gonna tune them the way I like. Maybe I'm gonna put some modern cymbals with them or vintage voiced cymbals with them, which is usually what I choose, mm-hmm. and. So now we have, even in the gear, we have a, a modern and a vintage balance. And then in the playing, based on the song, like if we go back to the Cheryl Crow song, if I'm going to cover that, I'm going to just groove and not just, uh, you know, I'm going to hit the drums in a way that kind of feels in between what Michael would have done 20 plus years ago and what I would do now to bring that forward to sound relevant to what yeah. people are doing, uh, groove wise, tone wise production wise and so that's kind of this it's it brings in this educational element even further yeah and I, yeah it takes a lot of discipline to actually do that and we live in a time where everything's short and flashy so when you see guys do like that i actually have a lot more respect maybe that's just me maturing but i i look for that and maybe more so artists put you when they're hiring somebody but that mm. brings me to like the recording side of it you, you said you do the drumless tracks how did that start for you so I started making these, I make these things that are basically practice tracks that you can use when you're drumming uh, instead of using a metronome. You know, metronome, you got the click going mm-hmm. and it, that's only fun for so long. Mm-hmm. And what I think is even more important is how do you play a uh, groove? How do you play fills? How do you can arrange a song, uh, not just around a click, but around a melody, around a rhythm? And by creating these drumless tracks, uh, you're able to do that. So it started out as I would sit down at my computer, I'd grab a sample I liked, and then I'd add guitar underneath that, bass underneath that, extra keys underneath that, and leave the drums alone, export it out at like 10, 15 minutes, loop this stuff, export it out at like 10, 15 minutes of playing time. And then I'd be able to just you know experiment over these things, practice over these things. And uh, for me, that was a, a really powerful tool, tool. And then other people were like, hey, this is really powerful. We want it too. Yeah. So I, I put it up on uh, Bandcamp. The first two volumes are actually, they're not <laughs> very lengthy because it's, it's an intensive process to sit down and track all these instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, so volume three, I switched over to sample-based uh, music. And now instead of being able to crank out, uh, you know, six tracks, 15 tracks uh, over the course of a week. Now I'm able to crank out 100, 125 tracks. So now in the seven volumes I have online, I have over 600 tracks available for free on Bandcamp that are like just super fun to play over. Uh, You know, other people love to download them. 
Uh, like I said, they're free. Donations are, are helpful because it helps me to continue making those things. Mm -hmm. But by having them up for free, now anybody can use them. Anybody can download them. And now you have uh, copyright-free music yes, that you can go out and, 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 you know, make the Instagram videos with. A, a lot of people have the problem of, you know, the, the copyright police on Instagram or even in TikTok sometimes taking down their videos and it's like oh man i worked so hard on this video yeah. now with this drumless uh track thing you know you can have 600 different videos and know that you're not going to have an issue with them mm -hmm. so it's just kind of you know it's just kind of a, a way for me to to give back and to offer something uh unique to the community well that's awesome you're doing it like that and that you're i think that's gonna be a bigger thing because as youtube kind of clamps down i think that drumless tracks are going to be a lot bigger I, i've been experiment mm -hmm. making my own too but yeah, I'm definitely going to go through your catalog. What, what's the best place to uh, Soundcamp? Uh, yeah, uh, ba Bandcamp. Um, Soundcamp is that's when SoundCloud buys out Bandcamp. Hasn't happened yet. You must, you must be in the loop. Uh, no, <laughs> if, if you go to my Instagram, Timbo from Kino, T-I-M-B-O from Kino, K-E-N-O, uh, it's the link in my bio. If you search Tim Baltus, B-A-L-T-E-S, drumless tracks on Google, it'll pop right up. Uh, uh, and... Uh, yeah, it'll take you to my band camp and you can get them all there, download them, stream them, whatever you want to do with them. Now I want to talk about some of the, your, the, the gear you use. What's your uh, go-to like head choice now for doing tracking? And are you tracking all in the room you're in now? Yeah, this is actually my mom's basement. This is where I oh. track. Uh, I had planned to get out of my mom's basement and then my balls broke. So that's why I'm still here at 31. <laughs> Hello. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm generally down here. Uh, this is a great room, uh, even though it's a, it's a really unconventional room. You know, I've got like uh, seven foot ceilings to the acoustic tile. It goes up about another foot where I, I have uh, some of the tiles taken out to let some of that air disperse a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it's only about 10-ish feet wide, uh, but it's 40 plus feet long. So that's where I get my room sound from. I have a room mic way back by my freaking treadmill, forty feet back there. Yeah, I noticed and, that you have a big, you have a big ambient sound in your videos too. Yeah, I think that's something special. I think a lot of people now, especially on social media, ignore the importance of a room mic, mm -hmm. and so that's why I try to bring that kind of thing back because it's unique and I think it's special. It it gives your character more, uh, or I'm sorry, rather your recording more character. Uh, let me ask um, one quick question. I'm sorry to interrupt, but how do you feel yeah. about like modulations like an EAD10 EAD compared to like individual mics? I know it's a so, big argument now, but I just want to see how you felt about that. So I'm part of this group called the Indie Drum Collective, uh, started by Aaron Tate, who played drums with Minus the Bear, uh -huh. um, and uh, has a tons of other drummers. And whether it's Aaron or uh, you know, any of these other industry vets, so many of them are using that EAD 10 to make drum covers. Mm -hmm. I think in that context of making music online, it is a great tool if you don't want to invest 50 to $100,000 in recording equipment. Yeah. Uh, and, and then have to learn how to use it. Um, so if you just want to get up and go and make covers, it's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. The other application it's good for is... Uh, uh, Gun Buns, Gunner Olson, I believe is his last name, uh, on Instagram. Gunner's an incredible drummer. He's played with uh, everyone from uh, Jucifer to uh, Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, great drummer. 
and he uses one uh, oftentimes in recording in addition to other microphones. So now it becomes an effects microphone, which I think is perfect in that setting. A lot of times we hear about the, the knee mic uh, or the fat mic, which is a microphone that you kind of put over your bass drum here mm -hmm. that can replace a room mic. You add effects to it, you blow it up with compression, some distortion, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. and and now it kind of adds certain character to your your entire drum sound once you add plus processing and this ead 10 can have the same power there mm -hmm. so i don't ever try to knock any equipment uh maybe cb drums but that's about it but you know i don't try to knock any equipment and so uh -huh. i think you know if it's good enough for the dude who's playing on bruce springsteen songs it's good enough for me oh yeah i'm not trying to put it down either i just yeah, I just I just don't know. If, some people have objections to how simplified things are getting, you know. Just like when Pro Tools rolled around and you got guys that were tracking reel to reels, kind of got depressed. But you know, I can <laughs> I can see you know the evolution of that kind of getting easier and easier for drum covers to come along. So I, yeah, I, and that's what it is. I think it's a perfect tool for someone who wants to make drum covers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think if you're going to record with a band, I think you're probably going to want a little bit more. But you know, there's guys who literally have made uh you know platinum records on an iphone so like i you know who am i to judge and uh i, I was gonna ask you what, what's your go-to software sure so um i'm a big proponent of logic um oh, nice. i know it, it has a is a there's a high cost uh to the entry or to the entry point which can be you know just having the mac computer system mm -hmm. itself um so i understand that but uh, I love Logic because it's so much easier than any other DAW, and I can do all my uh, editing in it. I teach this uh, as 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 a kind of part of a course to students online, which is how to economize making drum covers, mm -hmm. whether it's for YouTube or um, Instagram or anything else. And the reason I talk about Logic is because uh, when it's combined with several other factors, you can go from making one song in an hour, uh, one cover in an hour to making four or 10 even in an hour. Mm -hmm. So for me, logic is it's so simple, it's so powerful, and it economizes the workflow because we live in a world where unfortunately quantity uh, of output is uh, more important than quality. Mm -hmm. So I've created this kind of workflow that through uh, the integral use of uh logic that uh it, it just yeah it's it's the best off for that sort of thing for social media in my opinion yeah and i'm actually just i'm late to the party on that but logic what i'm using as well we're trying to learn how to use logic so I, I completely agree compared to using pro tools right now pro tools is a little bit hard for someone to jump right into yeah well and the fact is i don't is there a feature i think i've heard that studio one persona studio one allows you to drag video in i don't know if pro tools will let you drag video in will it I, I heard it. I think the newer one does, but they have like a okay. subscription based thing where you'd like, yeah. Years. So, well, the, and that's so expensive too. It's like, you know, with Logic now, you can pay 200 bucks, you mm -hmm. get lifetime support on it. Mm -hmm. For me, I'd, I'd rather do that. And it, you know, again, I can go into my Finder or if you have Windows, you know, your Windows, whatever the heck they call that, uh, when the crap with your folders and stuff, that's uh -huh. a technical term. But you go in there, you drag your video file right into Logic, drop it. Now you're able to sync your audio up and export videos right there. You're off to the races in seconds versus minutes or hours. Yeah, and I think you're right. The biggest investment of Logic is just the Mac itself. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I stand by Mac, you know, bigger than, you know, that's kind of what I've used, but I think Mac is kind of trending the ways with recording, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, one thing I want to ask is the artwork you have in your bass drum, is that something you do yourself or is, do you have a, someone do that for you? I'll tell you, I wish I had that kind of talent, but I don't. So like, if you look, uh, if you're watching the video, you'll see there's a head back here that was painted. Um, and on my bass drum in front of me, there's a head that's painted and I have racks of these painted heads uh, behind the, the computer here. And so all these painted heads, unfortunately, I am, I am inept with visual talent. So I have a gal, mainly I have one gal in Texas who paints all of them. This is one of her heads. Um, the one down below is, uh, and uh, her name's Megan, uh, Megan Palin, Megan underscore, uh, M-E-G-A-N underscore Palin, P-A-I-L-I-N on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's done 99% of my drum heads. Uh, Corey Strange has done a drum head for me. Um, and Zoe Thick and Skin over in the UK has done a drum head for me. And my friend's teenage daughter has done like three drum heads for me, which were freaking rad to have a kid do these drum heads. Um, so I have all sorts of different heads. And uh, for me, it's just a way to differentiate. You know, when we're on Instagram, uh, so oftentimes you're just going to see a logo head, a black logo head, a white logo head. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just having this extra visual element that just adds something special. You know, we're creating uh, art with uh, with sound. So why not add the visual art element back to kind of create this all-encompassing mm -hmm. experience, you know, mm -hmm. for a consumer? That's kind of where I stand on that. Yeah, definitely gives personality to the kit. But uh, before yeah. I, I let you go, I know you're a busy guy, but what would be the best recordings, the best place to check out some of your previous work with Disney and soundtracks? So um, I, there's not a lot online yet. Uh, I do need to work on getting a, a little page on my website set up for this. If you want to see my work, the best place is always going to be my Instagram. I'm posting one to two videos there every single day. Yeah, um, consistent. Yeah, yeah. And so I always recommend checking out my Instagram. I'm also available. Uh, uh, if you search my name on, on YouTube, I've had like three different YouTube channels in the past and they just... Digest drums or drums with digest? Yeah, drum, I had I had Drum Digest, which you can also find on Facebook, uh, both of which are dead channels. But there's some content on there from years ago of stuff I did. Mm -hmm. But but really, like, you know, uh, Instagram is great. Otherwise, I'm always available at email, uh, drums at gmail.com. And I'm always here to help if anybody has questions about drum stuff. All right. And uh, besides the cult consulting, are you also giving lessons as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I do consult. Uh, I've been working with uh, Franklin Drums, formerly Risen Drums, uh, on the rebrand now for the last nine, 10 months. Oh, nice. um, I've been working with uh, Firehouse Drums. Uh, I'm looking forward to working more with him in, in the near future. I've worked with Index Drums in the past. Uh, and I've even uh, hung out with Pearl and worked with them, uh, some of the guys there too. So it's been really fun uh, to do that sort of work. So if anybody out there needs you know two cents on a a drum related project i'm more than willing to talk about those things and lessons are also a big part of what i do whether it's to talk about uh the way i play the way i record or the way i put my content out to the world uh you know content marketing i'm always available for that stuff too and i bet in your your handle is Tim, timbo from kino correct Timbo from a kino yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
T I M B O from K E N O, uh, short for Kenosha. Timbo from Kino oh, on Instagram. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Glad to put that together. <laughs> All right, oh. I learned something today. All right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, another question is, uh, what were your main comedy like influences? I know, I think we were just almost the same age, but I guess you went to. I'm hearing a lot of Adam Sandler and kind of like, you know, as far as comedy. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. I think for me, it started with Jim Carrey. Yeah, I, uh, I was, I was late to the game with Adam Sandler, but I loved you know Billy Madison and and all those kind of movies along that mm-hmm. earlier timeline with him. Um, Happy Gilmore too. That oh my god, Happy Gilmore. But um, you know, it's I have such a wide variety mm-hmm. of influences, and a lot of people tend to say that like. Oh man, you must love Monty Python. And I'm gonna I'm probably gonna tick off a lot of people right now, but I can't watch Monty Python. I, I just like can't I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. It's too I love well, but people think uh, you know, I'm that guy. They think you're the Monty <laughs> Python guy, so I must be pretty dry too. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's that. Uh oh, Tim Conway. I had if anybody remembers these dwarf D-O-R-F the dwarf VHS tapes, like dwarf goes fishing, which is actually, if you look up dwarf goes fishing, it's on YouTube, okay. uh, which were these Tim Conway did a bunch of comedy shows in the seventies, eighties. And uh, they were these tapes where he would, uh, you know, do dwarf goes golfing, dwarf goes fishing, whatever. And it'd be like 45 minutes of just sketch. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. Um, it's worth looking up on YouTube if you have any interest in fishing or where my comedy mind comes from, mm-hmm. because he also used this sort of uh, hyper accentuated Midwestern accent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking in the Timbo voice, but if I was talking in the Timbo voice, it would kind of sound like Tim Conway, like, yeah, hello there, here we are. You know, and yeah. so. That's totally a Tim Conway move. Um, and I generally aim for the other part I aim for is like family friendly mm-hmm. because I know, you know, you were saying before we started like, Oh, me and my, my girlfriend love watching your content. Yeah. And that's kind of what I aim for is like, it's not just something for the drummer, but it's something that people can share whether you like drums or not. Yeah. So like there's actually a family uh, out in Seattle who regularly watch my videos, the kids, the mom, the dad, everybody. And so that's like so special to me mm-hmm. that I've been able to create a platform where all of these people are able to enjoy it. So that's that's the other part of it. It's just, even though it's silly and sometimes it feels over the top and uh, maybe maybe I throw a slight innuendo in there once in a while, it's still very family friendly and Anybody, regardless of background or interest, can just get a freaking kick out of the funny stuff. Yeah, and please keep doing them. But I, once again, I don't want to take light off your talent as a drummer. You know, that's main. I know that's the main focus. But yeah, you're both keep doing. Let's it. let's be real. Let's be real. Potato <laughs> chips are the focus of my life. You know. <laughs> no, I I enjoy it all. That's my point. Is that it, it's just it's Thank just you. great. It's just great what you're doing. I'm a huge compliment to you. But uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll share the links to your uh, your um, drumless tracks and you know your, for your lessons for your uh, Instagram. I really want to thank you for coming on. I know we're a new channel, and you know we're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming. But thanks a lot, Tim. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, thank you for having me on. And I, I, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the listen. And uh, if you have any questions about potato chips, drums, broccoli, or uh, <laughs> sausage sticks, uh, I will be able to answer all of those questions. Don't hesitate to reach out. And vintage drums. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those two. <laughs> yeah, well, well, thanks a lot, Tim. Talk to you soon. All uh, right.